0: Care and friendliness doesn't pour you a glass of wine when you want it. Speed and attention to.
1: And you're not allowed to leave the table until you finish all the vegetables on your plate. Exactly.
0: It's so fucking frustrating when you watch people trying to open a bottle of wine.
1: How many collisions happen because two idiots are coming around a corner at the same time? I might as well just tell them, hey, I'm here. Welcome to Table Wine. Wine with an H. Today, H for me stands for Honestly. Any idea why?
0: Oh, I've stopped trying to make sense of you for a long time now, so please Fair educate enough. us.
1: We're coming to the end of season one, and we've just had some very frank conversations, so I think it just kind of fits the bill.
0: Yeah, and I, I think what i really liked is we haven't run out of things to say.
1: No, because I think it's coming from a place of just things that we've actually experienced, and what we're saying isn't bullshit. It's all stuff that we've been through and seen. And so what does H mean for you?
0: Heifer. Heifer. (laughs) Okay. I just like the word. that really rolls off the tongue. Uh, When you say the word, you have to use your lips. You have to use your tongue. You have to use your throat. You know, every part of your, like, enunciation muscles get used.
1: Sorry, how do you use your lips for heifer?
0: Well... Try and say it slowly, so you like kind of do it with your lips at the end.
1: So I'm going to do... Okay, I'm going to do it without having my lips come into play at all. Ha-her.
0: Yeah, is that... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like okay, we should re-record this, but fuck it.
1: So, heifer, okay. Simply it. Yeah, it uses all not? the muscles in your face.
0: We don't all have to be profound.
1: Okay, I... am Sorry. <laughs> forgive him. anyway let's move on then in that case so this is a podcast where we talk about working in restaurants i'm allison and i'm pierre now today we are going to talk about for the love of hospitality that is the topic on the table
0: yeah i guess i came up with that or i suggested it because
1: you just jumped on that right away yeah, so just <laughs> i posted,
0: came up is, with that one. this is
1: my idea yeah <laughs> okay i think
0: it was all hail because, pierre you know This has been very lighthearted and obviously we take what we do seriously, but there's also such a lighthearted side to it. And that's been really fun to talk about. It's also a nice talk about actually why we do what we do and, you know, not just the fun side, but also kind of why we love what we do. Mm hmm. Hands for the love of hospitality.
1: What brought you to hospitality?
0: um So I was working as I was studying, and actually started as a dishwasher. And I talked too much, so they put me in front of a house. I was very lucky from the start for having worked with people that really cared for their craft, and uh, you know they were they owned the business and they really wanted to make it a success. So hospitality was a a huge part, and literally nothing was trouble. This was back in Perth. They were master chefs, as in they were incredibly well-trained, and they were doing something quite unusual for the state. So they really had to kind of push the boat out and work hard at convincing people and bringing people, because people... At that point, just, you know, when it's tough and tough is what the expectation of posh food was. So hospitality came into it because people would come in and they want this and we didn't have it. So they would, you know, bend over backwards to give a certain kind of experience. So people really enjoyed themselves, even though it was different from what they expected. And every once in a while, the crepes that trolley would come out, even though that wasn't on the menu. And I thought, gosh, that's so nice, isn't it? You know, really working hard for people and just being available. I really liked that, you know, that really spoke to me. And since then, I think I've just said in the industry, because the more you grow in your career, the less of receivership and more of a giving position.
1: So it's nice to have gone through so much experience that now you're in a position eventually where you can hand over the ropes.
0: I think show people what hospitality is in a way. So, you know, me as a 16-year-old waiter somebody really took the time to kind of, um, or oh, what's the word? You know, you go to the supermarket and they do like little cups of sauces for you to try. What is that <laughs> Tasters? word? Tasters? Samples. Samples, I guess. So mm-hmm. still not the word. I don't know what it is. Anyway, moving on. Somebody showed me the way and also showed me the light. And it's nice that hopefully I'm able to do that as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's quite a difference in the places that you can work and the types of hospitality that you can experience. And for myself, I think of all the different types of places that I've worked in this industry... I really like the times when I can work in a setting where I get an extended amount of time with people. For me, I don't necessarily love working in like a takeaway spot or like a cafe, something along those lines. I like when I've got people that I can have them there for like a couple of hours and really just put together this whole experience for them. I like the idea of like taking people into my care and just showing them the best time possible. It's so nice. I don't get to be a waiter all the time anymore, but man, I love it when I can jump back into a because then it's all the responsibility of, you know, managing the floor and that kind of thing. I mean, of course, I'm always a manager when I'm working, but that's like a little bit lighter for me. And then I can just focus on having the chats with people and just talking shit and like having a good time, recommending things, finding things that people really like. Those connections that I can make with people, that's what I like. Maybe I just like myself too much and I just want to give myself to everybody it sounds
0: like you're building a bunker <laughs> full of active listeners
1: <laughs> I like being heard obviously mm-hmm. but yeah there's something about that it is the people it's the the people that I get to see and that interaction with people is what I get out of this job and it's something that's always brought me back because I've gone and done other things you know I've worked in in different fields and I always come back to hospitality because it's addictive in a way
0: This is lovely, thank you <laughs> The only thing I would say is Wait, we- wait,
1: wait We didn't talk We have skipped the wine
0: Oh, well We, we need have to it talk in our about glass. the
1: wine. Yeah, well we've had a couple of glasses of it So maybe that's why we forgot to talk about it
0: I feel like I've been line sharing the choice of wines mm-hmm. But that's also because you've been putting so much effort into Editing is that the word? The uh, editor, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: producer, yeah.
0: Although when we started this, I desperately wanted the third person to do producing, like yeah. Roz and uh,
1: I would love that
0: Fraser, like just Ugh. getting their opinion or people calling in. We can just pretend.
1: Wish list for next season: a producer <laughs> and guest appearance hosting a dating show.
0: Mm-hmm. I like the first one. I don't know when it's a dating show.
1: Oh my God. I think dating shows are amazing. I would love to just be there and be like in the works of everything that's happening. There's so much goss going on. I would love to be in that world.
0: I want to be on that dating show with the naked people.
1: Oh my God. That show is crazy. I cannot believe that that's on the BBC. It is just a shocking concept. I can't believe that that's on public TV.
0: Do you know what it's like? You know when you like go to the zoo or kind of an animal park, you have like you go to like the penguin bit.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: you see like the penguins are like sat in the sun near the water. You know what I'm talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah, but and I don't know how this is gonna tie in. <laughs> but there's also like
0: the window that shows you under the water.
1: Ah Which is
0: like the water's always gross. You never yeah. have like good visibility. Yeah. And then you finally get a penguin jumping in, but they don't look half as good in the water through that freaking window (laughs) as above.
1: So genitals outside of a sexual setting are odd to look at.
0: I think the the special bits of people (laughs) that you just are not interested in seeing, when you finally see them, as curious as it may be, they're just never quite the vision you expect. Mm-hmm. My favourite thing is that really awkward hug between the contestant and the person they've just refused. You've just never seen so many arches of the back because they just don't want (laughs) things to touch. I love it. You've just been
1: studying their genitals. Why not just press in?
0: Not just studying, loudly commenting. Yeah,
1: I could never subject myself to that. Oh my God, I can't imagine.
0: There's a direct correlation between people who would go on the show and people who'd get a number of piercings in places that are fairly likely to get infected rather quickly.
1: (laughs) Okay, anyway, the wine.
0: Okay, so... It's another one from my cellar because I'm too lazy. I'm genuinely too lazy to go in the shop and prepare for this. <laughs> um, but that means we're getting nice things. Yes. So this is uh, from Ariana Okipinti, mm-hmm. who's an amazing winemaker.
1: She's like a rock star.
0: Yeah, she's like one of the kind of... I don't say like witches of winemaking, because that just makes it sound slightly sexist. Um, There's like three winemakers, right? Her, Elena Pantaleoni, and um, from Montenidoli Elisabetta. Mm -hmm. And actually Elisabetta Foradori, so four of them. Mm -hmm. So not Witches of Eastwick, because there's only three of those. (laughs) Um, But they're like friends, collaborators, and also just all brilliant winemakers in their own right.
1: She was like 27, I think, when she put out her first vintage, and her first vintage... Was just a hit.
0: And this one is a uh, Nero d'Avola, which is obviously Italian and it's native to Sicily. Um, anyway, I chose it because it's really kind of grim and cold outside. Then I want something warming and chocolatey and
1: mm-hmm. just beautiful. Yeah.
0: And easygoing.
1: It's just like pretty lush and delicious. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm in the mood for.
0: Sicagno um, is the is the name of the cuvee, if anybody would is interested. Mm-hmm. 2018, so I've hung on to it for a couple of years.
1: Well, thanks for sharing it. Okay, so we got wine out of the way. So back to the love of hospitality. You know, it's one of those industries that if you want to be able to do it, you've got to like the basics of what this job requires. And that's liking people.
0: I'm not sure I agree.
1: But how could you work in a job that's forward-facing with the public if you didn't enjoy something about dealing with the public?
0: Often, hospitality is a is a selfish pursuit. Because actually, like, for instance, with me... You know, whether when I was a waiter or a manager. In my time off, I'm not a social person. I'm quite introverted. Um, But
1: could that be because you work in a job where you have to see people all the time?
0: No, because I'm a weirdo.
1: (coughs) Like my own company. I think that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but there's something to be said of maxing out your social battery, right? And if you're in a job that you have to talk to people all the time, or you're just around people all the time, sometimes the best thing for me is to go home Mm. and sit in a quiet space and not see anybody. Yeah,
0: No, no, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think, I don't think motivation is so important, because we all get into it for different reasons. Not everybody in hospitality even shares the outlook.
1: Fair, but then... If you like people and you want to be around people, your motivations are going to come from a place of empathy and wanting to make sure that someone's having a beautiful time. Isn't
0: this more serious? I like that we are being more serious today, (laughs) by the way. First of all, just something that's not necessarily related directly, but I really think hospitality is best when it's kept analogue. And by that, I mean, the more systems, the less there is hospitality. So for instance, you know, waiters that take orders on iPads.
1: Ugh, barf.
0: Yeah. And that's not doing anything. You spend more time navigating the iPad mm-hmm. than actually looking at the guest. It doesn't make things go faster. It's equally transactional, but it's, it's mechanical transactions, it's just not hospitality. I guess the reason why I'm a little bit resistant to what you're saying about is you have to love people. I think it's not love. It's conscientiousness. You have to be aware of people because you have a lot of people who love people and who love socializing. You're actually terrible waiters.
1: I think that there's basic skills that you can't teach. And those are the skills that are the most important. So I would so much rather work with somebody on chatting too much and working on how to reel that in a little bit instead of trying to teach somebody how to be empathetic.
0: So I think we're doing one or the other. Either we're trying to convince each other.
1: I'm just simply saying, okay. I don't need to convince you.
0: Care and friendliness doesn't pour you a glass of wine when you want it. Speed and attention do. When I was young, like really young, and I used to work in a catering company, used to do a lot of boardrooms. But it was me and this older lady in her, probably dead by now, but hello. Oh my. Well, she was 65 about 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, maybe well... she's not dead, but she was a boardroom waiter with me. I mean, the things she would say, that real acerbic sense of humor did not come from love. You know, it came from a place where I've seen all of humanity with its failings and also brightness. So then I was like, okay, well, you don't have to like love people. You just have to love working with people. Also, she said people in hospitality are the brightest people that she's ever worked with. This is really what makes hospitality quite special. I mean, some real clever people. You can read a table of six people and honestly, split second. Name me one industry where you can do that other than this.
1: I remember early on when I was a waiter, people would always ask, okay, hey, so like, what else do you do? And eventually I was like, I'm just this is so fucking annoying that people can ask me like, what else do you do? Why can't I just do this? You know, this job actually requires so much skill. Yeah, I think we just need to stop considering that working in hospitality is a side job in terms of street smart. You learn so much about people. The soft skills that you gain from working in hospitality are not something I don't think you could learn anywhere else.
0: Forget the soft skills. When I go to parties, it's so fucking frustrating when you watch people trying to open a bottle of wine. (laughs) It's like the more time you spend at university, the more people tend to equate the number of years of education they've had with the fancier contraption they get (laughs) to buy a bottle of wine. (laughs) And then they can't make it work.
1: Yeah. I just think everybody should have to do at least a year of working in a customer service style job. It's obvious when people have never had to be on the receiving end of the public. And it is just something... I think that would create much more rounded human beings. Generally, like people would have a better understanding of each other if you just had to work in a job like that.
0: Hospitality conscription would be good, like you said. It just puts people at a at a at a better standing mm-hmm. for sure.
1: It's under. It's weird the things that people do sometimes and where it comes from or what they think is acceptable or how they can act in a restaurant. It's just not acceptable in any other environment. Like the way that people act when they're hangry in the moment, they don't even like realize what they're doing. And then towards the end of the meal, they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry about how I was in the beginning. Like I was just hungry. And it's like, well, you know, what? if you had any fucking clue about what it's like to receive that from my side, you wouldn't have gone there in the first place. You might've had a little bit more realization about like, hey, I probably just need some bread could you just bring that like as soon as possible and stop taking it out on the people that are just trying to show you a good time
0: can you order your fucking meal (laughs) no you can't have a piece of bread until you've ordered your food because if you have a piece of bread before you order you're not gonna get a starter
1: and you're not allowed to leave the table until you finish all the vegetables on your plate
0: exactly (laughs) i think you just never know why a guest is the way they are And it's better just not to think about it because sometimes it's something and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's them, sometimes it's you, sometimes it's a venue. There's 110 reasons.
1: Is that fireworks? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's Guy Fawkes night.
1: (laughs) So apologies if you can hear some clatter in the background. It's fireworks. I don't know. I think just to tie that all together, being able to have some experience in a forward-facing public job, you're probably less likely to be that terrible person.
0: Uh, how often, let's say, do you say you get a difficult guest enough for it to affect your evening or your service?
1: Gosh, it probably happens, I would say at least once a week.
0: How often does that get resolved by the end of the service?
1: Pretty much always. I have gained a skill of being able to separate that. Actually, I think it might be something that you had taught me. If something stays with me for longer than 24 hours, then I should probably address it. But if I'm not thinking about it by the end of the next day, then it's probably something to let go.
0: When, when there's difficult guests, I just... All I want to do is turn that around. I like that challenge. It's like, okay, um, this sounds terrible, but like, okay, what childhood trauma do I need to address here? Did you get spanked too much? Did you not have enough when you were a child? Did you get forgotten? And I will turn that around, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I mean, culturally, anyway in the world, we end up in like, adversarial cycles. That's just, it's just... Forget it. It's just pointless. And people know. Yeah. where people are rude when they're difficult. They might not know it then and there, but they'll know
1: it. People are trained, right? Everybody has baggage from past experiences they've had. And I'm not here to change that, but like I can change this interaction.
0: And you know, what's interesting is because hospitality is so busy and it's so dynamic and it's almost like you're always like... Ooh. Desperate need to go loo, but you just can't. So every freaking bit of communication, interaction, is generally really, you know, seen through that peephole, isn't it? You know? (laughs) (laughs) So it's hard sometimes when you you're in that pressured moment of so many things going, you're a bit like Neo from The Matrix, where all these bullets are flying around (laughs) you and you're in this like jelly air moment thing Uh to actually be able to reason. With mm-hmm. yourself and with other people, colleague, guest, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somehow you still have to dig real deep within you and say, okay, need to find the center in this.
1: What do you think are some of the habits that you've come to learn from working in environments like that, that you still can't shake?
0: Well, there's many eating really fast.
1: Yes. That's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah. It's so hard to just sit down and eat a meal slowly yeah. or enjoy food when it's hot.
0: I have a genuine joy in eating cold scrambled eggs. <laughs> Revolting. I love it. The next one I want to say, but I feel like I'd be sealing you thunder, but I will. And I'm going to com- do it to completion. Is when you say "backs." Like I still say "backs" <laughs> at waiters, And actually my partner now does the same. They've, You know, he's never worked in hospitality. And he'd be grabbing the toilet paper behind an old lady and screams out backs. <laughs>
1: I say behind.
0: I think backs is a bit more threatening, just because it has more like consonants and vowels. I don't know. Yeah, you say corner.
1: I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's ridiculous.
1: It's- Funny. I get it. I get
0: it. I totally get it. I'm just not used to it. And it's like, it's like even more alarming.
1: You don't say corner? Never. I do get made fun of for that quite a bit. But I mean, how many collisions happen because two idiots are coming around a corner at the same time? I might as well just tell them, hey, I'm here.
0: (laughs) Corner, corner. (laughs)
1: Like, it's like, well then install one of those stupid little mirrors so i can see what's coming around okay. the other side if you don't want to hear me would
0: you like a moment
1: hi my name's allison and i say cool i now. think
0: for whoever's listening to this there was no judgment <laughs> and they know this you need to know this too there's no judgment it's very cute i've just never heard it before
1: Well, What else can't I shake? I'm trying to think now. I think those are like the main ones.
0: Taking charge. What I mean by taking charge, there's nothing worse than like four hospitality people going out for lunch or dinner (laughs) and ordering because it's like, there's a lot of conflict there. There's a lot of push and push. There's no pull.
1: Gosh, how do I feel about serving people who also work in hospitality?
0: I hate it. There's no logic I just don't like serving people from the industry Again, I'm very difficult I get that But in restaurants I try to make it so easy
1: Well, you're the perfect guest Self-proclaimed
0: I am truly the perfect guest I tip for one
1: Is it hard to like go around With the light from your halo Like always shining in your eyes?
0: Maybe for you it's quite bright, isn't it's it? It's hard
1: to look at. You're a little star. Yeah. yeah. I think my favorite people to look after are people who are used to going out for lunch, but don't work in the industry, where dining in restaurants and having meetings is just a part of your working day. Yeah, I can hear the fireworks again. We can't. It's Guy Fox night. What can we do?
0: She's just had some cheese. <laughs> i I, I get like it though all they guests. know they know
1: everything they just know they just they're like the easiest.
0: okay so they' do your job for you. No, I like all guests genuinely, <laughs> genuinely.
1: Are like, you trying to make me sound yeah like just a, a hateful a person
0: you're a hateful person. <laughs> the only experience so it's not the guests because I think people can just be different. I think the ones that I don't enjoy the experiences is when you get the sense that the table just doesn't want you to engage because they think that when you're talking about things, it's because you want to oversell Mm. those who appreciate intelligent hospitality, which is intuitive hospitality, like what you're describing before about kind of professional diners, you know, they know who they are. They know what they want. And it's like, bam, 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 done. Done. It's more, it's not transactional, but it's a bit smoother and there's a stronger communication. But, you know, I'm an agent of chaos. I like the the gray areas in between. (laughs) You know, if somebody's like too organized and exactly what they want, I'll try and get a wrong order in there. I try and forget a side dish. Can't all go smoothly. It's boring.
1: (laughs) Oh, I do love a perfect shift. It gets easier over time to accept that things can go wrong. And there is usually a way to let that go or get that night back under control. But that is, uh, yeah, it's about the separation. And now the, that I've been able to like separate a little bit work from life, the server nightmares mm-hmm. and those that carryover doesn't exist so much. But I do have friends who haven't worked in hospitality for years who still get those server nightmares. That is the worst, isn't it? Because you're not at work... And then even in your sleep, you're thinking about work.
0: I don't have nightmares. I am the nightmare. (laughs) Um,
1: When's the last time you had a server nightmare?
0: I've never had one.
1: Shut up. Are you just pulling my leg?
0: No, no, genuinely.
1: You've never had a server nightmare? No. Never. A nightmare about working in the restaurant Like, oh my god, we didn't realise That the, the chits weren't printing For like half an chits. hour <laughs> Do
0: you mean dockets No, never <laughs> I used to be one of those people That also needed to get their shift Organised down to a T And then I observed two kinds of colleagues Equally successful at what they did Ones that tried to like Anticipate the big wave And learn how to ride it And those who anticipate the wave And step aside and I really firmly felt I should be the first person riding the wave. So, kind of spending less time on trying to be in control and then more time on trying to be in aware. I mean, and I, I sounded think... cleverer outside yeah. than inside. <laughs> Never happens.
1: <laughs> it's so true, though. Like, there's, I think, something that is just very freeing letting go of the idea that you have any control. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't change the circumstances. You can have some influence on the outcome, but things are going to happen that are going to happen. And if you can get on board with that idea, then I don't know, you can relax a little bit and just and actually be in the moment, right? You lose out on having that sense of place and experience if you're always stressing about the next thing that's going to happen.
0: Well, yeah, and you lose out on that sense of not only place, but also play, The most fun you can have is in that moment when everything's falling apart. And I really feel sad, genuinely, when I see people that just don't ever want to go through that. So they build systems around them. Like if it's a waiter, you know, usually requesting the same section or same tables. If it's a manager, it's prioritizing the office or taking on a role that where they have to do less floor. What's the point? We're in a human industry and we're really blessed to be able to work with people and different people. You know, I love that.
1: I wanna go back to the fact that you don't have server nightmares. I'm really like having a hard time believing that. What I
0: do have is a moment of panic on like the bus home. Well I don't (laughs) because I don't work as a waiter anymore. You know when you like sat it's like, oh fuck, they were five months, it's a mustard. I have that. Yeah. I don't have nightmares. I love what I do.
1: Can I have any more wine? Do we have it left?
0: Here we are talking about hospitality. (laughs) You've had enough wine. (laughs) Hospitality is honesty.
1: How is that possible? I don't understand. Fucking hell. Server drinks plagued me for ages. But I think I might have had them the most when I was working somewhere that was like quite traumatic. Yeah,
0: honestly. Also, I work things out then and there. I cry. I yell or I get yelled at. Usually people, for better or worse, I'm such a frustrating personality that people find it very easy to tell me things then and there.
1: And you're quite comfortable with conflict it is comforting to know that you could handle a difficult conversation conflict
0: to the point of resolution i'm not comfortable like conflict as in existing in a state of conflict i don't Uh just like to pick fights with people
1: (laughs) i mean i do i do (laughs) (laughs) i do that
0: too but i love resolving like i love nothing more than a complaint let me fix it. I love that.
1: What's your go-to and how you will decide on how to handle that complaint?
0: Well, I think honesty and humility. Yeah. I think those are the two best places to start because there are many things at play. First of all, not everything's for everybody. And if it was, it'd be boring. So there are instances where you work somewhere and you get like the worst complaint and you have to think to yourself, actually, I could have done this better. Or there's nothing we could have done, we're just not the right place. And both things happen. And I think people are always fearful or just don't want to say sorry because they feel like this admission of guilt. What does it matter? It's mm. a word. It's a word that costs me very little. And sorry isn't always an admission of guilt or responsibility, sometimes it's a show of contrition and acceptance. You know, I think that's number one thing is that when there is a complaint, and hopefully I'm answering your question, it's to remember that the responsibility doesn't have to lie with you, the resolution does. If somebody feels so strongly about writing an email, for instance, just approach it with that openness. It's okay, you know, I think never approach complaint from a point of winning.
1: If you can recognize that that might be your first reaction, take a moment before you actually take that on.
0: You're totally right on that. I just, something pumped into my head. It's also about where you've worked before. Because some places, I've had places where I've had a budget as a manager over how many comps, as in complimentary things I can give on a service. So I had to make that, I had to very carefully choose how I use that. It was awful and it tied my hands, but also it taught me not everything has to be for free. Actually, how you handle situation is nicer. And most times people don't complain To get free things. Of course, that's going to happen. But generally, people are just pissed off about something, you know?
1: They just want to be heard. Yeah. Well, I'd like to end things on a note, uh, talking about the skills required in hospitality. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I think that being able to work in this industry is probably one of the most transferable skills out there. Yeah. You could go anywhere in the world And work in a restaurant if you've worked in a restaurant before. Might struggle to speak the language, but I think it's just like amazing. And it kind of like just ties into everything that we're saying. That understanding of being able to work with people. If you can do that one place, then you can do that anywhere.
0: You know, I just love also the love of humanity that's in hospitality more than any other job.
1: I love it. Yeah. Well, Pierre, let's say goodbye for a moment. Goodbye. (laughs) So thank you for listening to another episode of Table Wine. We're going to take a wee little break and we'll see you soon.
0: Thank you very much. And thanks for listening to us. I know it's not always been easy, but I hope you've liked (laughs) it.
1: We like you.